Reading tonight from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's a new year. 2022, we've been waiting. Have you been waiting? I think we've been waiting. We used to write checks. Remember when you used to write checks and you had to had to make sure you wrote the right date in there? Not many checks are written these days, but uh, the year changed anyway. 2022, what's it, what does it mean for you? We've got 360-some days to go. But what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? The Bible gives good directions of how to live a Christian life, doesn't it? We learn from the Word of God and from those who teach us the Word of God how to live a godly life, a Christian life, on a daily basis. But every so often you come across this particular scripture that says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. There's an emphasis on now, doing it right now. Have, have your parents, we all have parents, have told us that they want something done now. And we're thinking, well, right now? And they say, yes, right now. We want it done now. Take out the trash now. Go out and burn the trash in the backyard now. That's the way they used to do it. And and you put off the now because I don't know what that is. It's just kind of built in somehow or another. But eventually we catch on to the fact that somebody who said we want it done now, especially if it's your boss, and, and somehow or another they have some connection to your paycheck, and they want something done now, you do it now. That's right. But this is a very serious subject, actually. Now is the accepted time. Now doesn't last all that long, really. Sometimes people think, well, I've got the whole year to accomplish all these uh, things I've been putting off. And uh, so therefore, I don't have to do it right away. I can do it eventually. But in, in reality, we only get uh, a chance to do it right now, right now. But when it comes to the gospel, when the Lord speaks to our heart in church services like this, and he expects us to do something with what we receive and what maybe he's been talking to you about for a long time, then we move forward and we, we take action and we, we do what's, what's required to fulfill what the Lord has in mind. Sometimes we don't know what the Lord has in mind. You might be at a youth camp. You're 11 years old and you promise the Lord that you'll be a missionary. But years go by. You're not a missionary. But one day you have opportunity and you realize uh, that the Lord has called you to a, a place of real salvation. And you surrender your life to the Lord. And the Lord begins to talk to you about things you can do. You can sing in the choir. 
can uh, help out at the church when there's something to be done at church. And there's different uh, people that are ushers, and maybe you could be an usher or some some gospel work that you can do. You don't move directly to, I'm going to be the pastor of the church pretty soon. That doesn't happen for a while, but it might happen. But you have to be committed, first of all, to preach the gospel. And then, of course, everybody says, can't do that. I think pretty much everybody says they can't do that. Usually you're scared of the ones that says, oh, that'll be no problem. But generally speaking, there's just some hesitancy about public speaking, not just preaching, public speaking in general. It happens to be, I think, that the number one fear among general, across the, across the, uh, across the planet, uh, people that generally, they don't like to speak in public for some reason. You'll get over it. Don't worry. It comes in time. No, really, it does. It comes in time. And the Lord, the Lord steps on the scene to help you with whatever it is. Maybe you're supposed to sing a solo in church. And the first time you do that, you're, you're just pretty nervous. But the Lord helps you with that. If He's given you the talent, He will give you the ability to do whatever it is He calls you to do. There's this man in the Bible I wanted to look at tonight named Nehemiah. Remember him? Nehemiah. What an incredible, incredible story. An incredible person. Nehemiah was a, a great leader and a great manager, and he answered the call of God. But there was something unique to, to Nehemiah that I was considering. He was in a comfort zone. He had it good. He lived in Shushan, or known as Susa. It's about 150 miles north of the Persian Gulf, uh, today's Iran. At that time, it was Persia. And that's where he lived, 445 B.C. And he was the king's cupbearer, which is a very responsible position. Basically, kept the king alive. He would taste the, the wine and so forth before the king would, would get his uh, uh, vittles and whatever. And, and he, he was, he was, had a responsible position and he evidently was a responsible person, but with that responsibility came some real luxury, no doubt. This was a, a modern city, eventually capital of that area. Some of those old places, you go back that many years, you think they're not very up to date. Well, they were very up to date and they had lots of incredible luxuries that we wouldn't imagine, uh, could be at, at that time in history. So there he was in his comfort zone. And in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hashaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. This bothered Nehemiah greatly. He was from there. They had been taken from their own homeland, and so many of them had been taken away. Some uh, later earlier or later, went to Babylon. So many of the Jews had, had lost 
their their homeland. They were taken away, and they were basically captives in other lands that they were not familiar with. And so was Nehemiah, one of those people. But he had been given position before the king in this uh, country, and now he felt a burden for his people, for the people, for the Jews. He was a Jew. He felt a burden for his people back in Jerusalem and, and for his city that had been destroyed. We feel that burden from time to time about things we're familiar with. And we don't like to hear uh, about the bad news uh, of our own city or where we live, wherever it might happen to be. We, we want things to be good. We want things to be comfortable. We want to stay in, in that comfort zone, that safe place uh, on, a, on a regular basis. We, we like those things to be a, a constant in our lives. I think everybody likes that, don't they? But here he was. He got the news. It was bad news. And going back to the first verse, now is the accepted time. How does he operate and do that now? How does he do anything now? He has responsibilities in Shushan. He's a responsible person. He can't just take off and, and forget his responsibilities because he's inspired and encouraged to do so possibly. What did he do? What did Nehemiah do? Verse 4 says, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He prayed an intense prayer for four months. Whether that was like constant prayer or prayer in between everything else he had to do, no doubt it was. Whenever he wasn't doing his other responsibilities, he was praying about this situation in Jerusalem. The walls are down. The gates had been burned. He was burdened by this. This bothered him very much. You can you could tell by the gist of the entire uh, a book of, of Nehemiah and what he had to go through in that process. But during that four months, he prayed, and and the Lord. One day, one day he was uh, at work, and the king saw him and basically said, What's the matter with you, Nehemiah? Never seen you like this before. And he let him know. He told him what the problem was. And so he had obviously a good relationship with the king. They made arrangements that he could go to Jerusalem, and which is close to a thousand miles by foot or by camel or by what other transportation they had and it would take quite a while to get there not very convenient but he could go to Jerusalem and he did and he went to Jerusalem and he didn't even tell the people there what he was doing he looked around and saw the disaster that he had heard about checked out the the walls and the city and the gates are burned and all that, that was there and then he got some people together and told them what we need to do we need to rebuild the walls, and we need to repair the gates. And they did. They began to do it. Now, you would think, if God calls you to do something, okay, that everything will be beautiful after that, right? Well, it's God's call. He's given you responsibility. He's given you something to do in the, in the work of the gospel. So it should be 
be, be just an easy, easy life after that. It wasn't an easy life after that. There was lots of opposition. They, the names there, Sanballat and Tobiah and these different ones, they opposed this idea. And, uh, Nehemiah wasn't going to take that sitting down. They just kept working at what they had to do and they came up with a plan and they kept working at it and, and they rebuilt these walls. The walls actually of this particular walls were approximately two and a half miles encircling that part of the old city of Jerusalem up to the area that's probably most prominent today that people remember is the Wailing Wall. That was evidently somehow included in that area. Most of the other walls were actually destroyed over time anyway, but at this time they were rebuilding these walls. They were pretty tall, 30, almost 40 feet tall, and it required a lot of work, no doubt, a lot of physical labor, and they just kept working at it. You know, that's the way it is sometimes. When you have something to do, you just kind of have to work at it. You can't just... uh, Go on vacation and we'll get back to it eventually because now is the accepted time to get it done, right? And now was the time to get it done. And so Nehemiah uh, kept after it and, and had the people, many, many, no doubt, many, many workers that worked together and worked to get this job done. And we read in the, in the sixth chapter of Nehemiah, I like these words, it says, So the wall was finished. In the twenty and fifth day of the month, Elu, in fifty and two days. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? Fifty-two days, manual labor, and they got the job done. But they had to start on it now. They didn't, didn't, couldn't put it off, but remember though, there was that intermission there for prayer. Sometimes the now, is like that. We're going to do this now, but we do need to be praying about this. But there is a time and place where we, so to speak, stop praying and go to work on the physical part or whatever the responsibility is that the Lord has laid on your life. But remember, the wall was finished. You see, it's hard sometimes for us to see the finished product because we're at the beginning of it. We don't look down the road years and years down the road. There's some of us here that have been married for a while. And we we find it hard to believe that we've been married that long. But we have somehow or another. And sometimes we, we, we can figure that out. Just look at the calendar and we can figure it out. And and as true as many around here, right? Been married for a while, but but when we when we said yes. We stood there in front of the preacher, in front of the family, and had all the people in their pretty clothes, and we were all dressed up, and uh, all that stuff, and the flowers were, were great, and the food was great. Everything was exciting. The cameraman was happy. And, and it was one of those times. But what happened since then till now? A lot of time went down the road can hardly remember the spots in between because it's been so many years go by. Is that the way it was for Nehemiah? He had been there in Shushan, all, who knows how many years it was, I don't know. He had been there in his own little comfort zone, his own little space, doing his job responsibly, and it got completely upset 
Nehemiah, you're moving from your comfort zone. I've got something for you to do. Not the ordinary thing to do. It's not been done like this lately, but that's your job. 2022, maybe the Lord wants to get some of us out of our comfort zone. It's nice being in a comfort zone where everything is beautiful and everything is good and the flowers are are what they're supposed to be, pretty. But sometimes we have to move forward. Maybe we're, we've been praying about it. Hopefully we've been praying about it. No, no doubt we have been praying about something that the Lord would, would do something in with us in our lives and that we'd be, be able to, to accomplish something for the Lord. It doesn't do much good to do it for ourselves. Have you ever noticed some of the things that you build and some of the things that you work on? Project Nehemiah, some here remember that. 1992. That was great. But you know, it was more of a spiritual thing back in Murfreesboro, Illinois. Some of you are here. You were there. And it was great times. We had great meetings and, and great prayer meetings. And the Lord helped a lot of young people and others as well. But the project that we worked on, it's gone. They've leveled the campgrounds. There's nothing there anymore except a couple of buildings that I've heard of, and the church is still there. But everything else we worked on. We worked so hard to get something done, get the paint on the buildings, right? Yeah, the buildings are gone, sorry. But the spiritual part remains. That's the unique thing to the gospel. That's the part that lasts. That investment in, in something of a gospel nature that's connected to your life lasts. It lasts for years. It lasts for years and years. And we keep committing ourselves to those years in a very good way. And we pray daily that the Lord will bless our lives so that we can bless somebody else. We can encourage somebody else. We can be a blessing to those people that maybe have not heard this gospel I don't know what your gospel call is, but I have a sneaky hunch, if there is such a thing, that you know what it is. It's amazing. God does not keep some of those secrets, but he reveals them unto people just like us. We know what the Lord wants us to do, and we know when he wants us to do it, and generally it's speaking in the now we must do it. But now it's time to close this meeting. Sing 482, stand and sing, and have time for prayer tonight. We're going to encourage that in a very special way. Let's come and pray.